90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Well, I didn't blow away last night. I don't know about you. <laughs> we had, the, there's a lot of damage around us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, it was a really exciting and oddly timed duratio-ish event. It was weird. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was like Boeco, Squall Line, QLCS embedded tornado bookend vortice hail producing monster that started as like an mcs like so weird that was a lot of acronyms we're back yeah (laughs) um yeah so weird time of year some really strange weather um i'm back from field camp not completely but my students are on the regional trip, so I'm back home, and I was greeted by this crazy severe weather that included, like, 90-mile-an-hour wind gusts and sustained winds, but it wasn't a hurricane or a tornado. Yeah. Well, was... and you were greeted by this crazy person that was like, it has been a weird time of year for us, and we haven't done a podcast in a while. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Is that who I'm talking to? <laughs> we took a... a uh, unannounced hiatus of a few weeks here because Un- you were at field camp and uh not really feeling the the time or the desire to sweat in the back of a yukon <laughs> recording that's where i would record everybody because it's the quietest place there <laughs> yep and uh we have been absolutely overwhelmed uh as a friend of mine would say working from can to can't <laughs> Uh, pretty much seven days a week with the normal, we have the normal summer rush, which happens. Mm -hmm. Um, It's accompanied with the rush of stuff to do on the building since we moved that needs a lot of maintenance. Mm -hmm. Also just coupled with an insane amount of travel for everybody. So now we've got enough travel happening that, uh, I'm not the only one in the company going on travel to do installations now, which is weird. <laughs> I would say that's nice for you, but it's not because you're not traveling. It's because now everyone's traveling, so it's just as busy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know. I was trying to think of how many states I'd been in in the last two weeks, and I think it's six. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh huh. <laughs> Which is really funny because even when you got married and when I had a child, we hadn't missed this much recording. I think this is the most ever. Yeah, and it's it's, it's sad. like four weeks in a row, I think. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Daryl's still out there. <laughs> he is. Um, I and know. I've, he just emailed us. <laughs> I have sent some. Uh, well, we had a few shows in the tank. And so I kind of spread them out because I knew it was going to be a little bit crazy before we could could mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it hasn't been, you know, just silence from us, but it's certainly been a slower period. Yeah. Um, but we've also been cooking up some fun stuff that we want to do, hopefully in the fall, for you guys that will be exciting, but we're not ready to quite talk about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Um, yeah. My sabbatical starts in two weeks. That's what I have to say about fun stuff for the fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that gives us lots and, of time. <laughs> well, and we're getting ready. So uh, we've got one installation that I won't be on coming up. And then at the end of the month of June, uh, I will be doing an installation and flying there, which... Also was a source of some of the craziness. Uh, as we're planning for this trip, uh, we had an aircraft breakdown occur, mm. that's, which has been fun. That's never good. <laughs> no. Trying to find parts has been a lot of fun. 
<laughs> I mean, man, that's true for cars too. Let me tell you. Oh, I mean, we, we called everywhere under the sun trying to find one of the parts that we needed. Finally found somebody in Tulsa, of all places, that had one on the shelf. And said, I am walking to the car right now. <laughs> Put my name on it. I will be there in 90 minutes. <laughs> Send him your Google location to track you. <laughs> exactly. No, please. I'm serious. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's been a, it's been a wild few weeks, uh, and we've had a lot of, well, we've had the normal kind of springtime weather, but it's really drug out. Yes. <laughs> like normally we'd be getting kind of dry by now, but we're still having these kind of afternoon pop-up thunderstorms in a Florida-like behavior. So often. that's, you know, I started off with the weather, obviously, because number one, we're old, but <laughs> number two, it's just been really strange and we've had the same thing so if you'll remember from last year our second or well it was our first day of camp we had 17 inches of snow and (laughs) yeah so we didn't get snow this year but it is unbelievably wet you wouldn't even recognize canyon city john it is so green so green everywhere and we did have sleet and we've had a bunch of hail But we have these afternoon thunderstorms, too, which is not at all the time of year that Colorado experiences these. I mean, they're starting to ramp up, but they haven't stopped. We haven't had, I don't know, two days in a row without rain. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's not good for you being in the field, not only from a time perspective, but from a safety perspective. Exactly. So the lightning has been incredible this year. Just utterly incredible and you know luckily for learning's sake they have held off till the afternoon so we've actually only with the amount of rain missed two field days um essentially and both of those were just half days but yes the lightning is unreal the amount of rainfall is unreal i mean we've had to grade our road three times since camp started oh wow (laughs) yeah and you just see it start coming down yeah every every creek is running everything um we go to so just last week we went to cripple creek and we go to the molly kathleen gold mine and it's a cheesy um tourist destination but it is it was an active gold mine up until like the 70s so you know it's really cool you get to go a thousand feet down you take this really fun um, trip through the mine. I never get sick of it. I've been like 15 times. Oh, um, super fun. Is Chuck still giving tours? <laughs> Chuck. He was my favorite. Um, no, there is a younger guy who is really, really good. Um, I, we got our, my least favorite guy this time and it was very disappointing. Um, how old was Chuck? He was pretty old, right? He was pretty old. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I don't think any of them are not good. It's just correct. Attached to some yes. Than others. Some are exactly. And some like know a little bit more about the geology than others. And this poor guy, when I was like, we're geology class. And there was enough of us that we were the whole tour. And he goes, Oh man. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have to talk about geology. It's fine. <laughs> it was super cool though. Cause he really tried. And then he turned to me and he'd go, is that right? <laughs> and I'd just go, yeah, that's fine. It's not right. That's fine. <laughs> I really appreciate your enthusiasm, sir. Um, right. <laughs> but when we got out, oh, it was so cool. So I had, I purposely moved a field day because I knew it was going to rain. It was like 90% chance of rain, which never happens out there, right? Like mountain meteorology is so hard. It's always like 10 to 50% chance of rain and they never know. And they're like, nope, yeah. 90% chance had been like that for three days. So I was like, okay. So we'll go to this mine really early in the morning. So we got there as soon as they opened and we get out and it is black. Like it is black in town. (laughs) And I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) all right, kids, (laughs) like we're at 10,000 feet. Lightning's crazy in these mountain thunderstorms. I was like, we're going to run into town and you're going to go to one of these three places and you're going to eat. And you're just going to sit there until this, you know, rain is over. Like check the discord and I'll let you know when you can leave. (laughs) Right. right. And so we got into town, we bought our t-shirts and we go to pay 
And she's like, oh, my gosh, I have to, you know, put all this stuff in manually. And the woman there said that three days ago, the town got hit by lightning. There was, like, a lightning strike that took out, like, televisions and all the electronics in town for a day. And a whole bunch of them were fried. Yeah. And she was like, I've lived here, you know, 25 years. I've never seen anything like that. And sure enough, as soon as we get out of there and we get to our little lunch spot, it starts sleeting. And so everyone was like, oh, it's hailing. And I said, no, no, this is sleet. We had a whole conversation about that, which is really fun. (laughs) But it sleeted for an hour. Yeah. And it got down to 39 degrees (laughs) in the middle of June. And uh, yeah, it was really crazy. And at that same time, There was a severe thunderstorm in Canyon City, and the hail was piled so high right south of our camp. Didn't actually hit our camp, but it was not a quarter mile south of us that it stuck around for three days in the sky's yard. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a tornado in Colorado Springs that day. It was some weird, weird weather. And just... Every every other day has been really strange like that. So, mm-hmm. it it has been striking to me how localized the events have been recently. Yes, yes. So the you know it's sleeting up there in Cripple Creek, which for those of you not familiar, um, it's about like hmm, thirty five miles north of Canyon City, and so it's about. 40-ish miles west of Colorado Springs. And, yeah, so we got that sleet, and that was a totally different little cell, and that cell in Canyon City was the size of the city. And that was it, and it persisted for half an hour maybe, and then was gone, but it just it blew up, and it had crazy um, winds. I think they were like 50-mile-an-hour winds, and these quarter-size hail but it was just localized. Well, you know this, John, or if anyone's been to Canyon City, right outside of that Cretaceous hogback as you're heading up towards camp. It was only in this little, I don't know, half mile radius circle. And it just yeah. got dumped on, like destroyed. So many vehicles destroyed in that little area. It's a little industrial park right there. So it was very odd. When we've got like, you know, so our new shop, which you've been to, mm-hmm. is north of where I live. The old shop is south of where I live. And we've got some good friends that live a little bit south of that. And so I've kind of had these north to south transects of the behavior. And it's been really interesting because, you know, I'll call my wife and say, hey, we're getting hail here. And the ground's dry at my house, which is five miles away. Uh, while at our other building, uh, we're having wind that's destroying things and throwing outbuildings around. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievably localized. And that's what, like five miles or something like that? Like, if that, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's very, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of like, as climate change happens and you break down these large scale you know, these large-scale features that have always been there, these highs and lows that persist and sort of drive drive the way the jet stream works, you know, start to break that down. So it's getting weird. I mean, it's not to say it hasn't been weird before. We've had ice ages well, after all. <laughs> but There's weird storm motions. Like, we've had a yeah. bunch of northeast to south or southwest storms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Us too. Um, Yep, yeah, there's had... a lot of interesting things. If you look at the WPC, the Weather Prediction Center's surface analysis, it looks like something a drunk person drew most of the time right now. <laughs> We've had a lot of easterly moving ones because usually they come west from up and over the mountains, and if they even make it over the mountains, which they generally don't, you know, then they dissipate pretty quickly. But we had a ton come in from Pueblo from the east. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. <laughs> like straight east motion, or straight west motion. Yeah, coming from the east. So weird. So yeah, it's been meteorologically enlightening this summer <laughs> for field camp, I will say. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been really weird. And, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about on a future show in a lot more detail, we've been developing a way to monitor ground subsidence mm. in places that are experiencing a lot of subsidence. Mm-hmm. So putting anchors at different depths in the ground and then measuring how much the surface changes relative to those. Mm-hmm. Down to like, you know, tens of microns kind of level. That's high resolution. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's really interesting with all this weather that we've been having, because we get these very dry spells punctuated by intense rains, or we've had some very strong pressure fluctuations as well. Oh, mm-hmm. And just seeing these effects in the ground levels. Oh, that's cool. Like, you know, seeing just... I'm not going to say unreal amounts, but seeing clay swell, mm-hmm. uh, seeing loading from or unloading from low pressure fronts crossing. That's awesome. Things like that. It's very interesting. How deep do you have to be, or how deep can you be and see these weather events occurring? Well, so the thing is, you know, your reference, your moving reference is always the surface. Right. So... Ideally, you would go down to bedrock, and then that would tell you the compression of all the squishy stuff above bedrock. Mm-hmm. But around here, well, around here, bedrock might be three inches. Yeah. Um, but a lot of places, you're not going to get to that. So you can have anchors the way we've done it at different depths, and you get surface change relative to, say, three meters and surface change relative to five meters. And then you know how much compression occurred in the top three meters and then the bottom two. That's awesome. But you would see it on all of it because it's all relative to the surface, which is where the pressure is acting. Right. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting starting to delve into that some. And you know, it's not, we're not discovering anything new. There's been papers um, looking at the effects of squall lines moving over seismic arrays, uh, right. causing water loading of the ground and pressure unloading of the ground. And I think I did the math in grad school at one point that it was a strong squall line crossing was something like picking up a, a 50-pound bag of quick crete off of every square meter. <laughs> That's impressive, though. Uh, I need to go back and redo that. It seems like a lot, but it was it was a lot. It was it was enough. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that we can see this seismically. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we've been developing that, which has been a new product. Uh, as people are getting ready to get back into the classroom already thinking about that. Oh, boo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've got some of the educational products that we do, like the density tanks and the spring sliders and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, been working on those, getting a lot of suggestions from people that have used them of, oh, it'd be cool if we could do this or this works great. This doesn't, um, uh, so yeah, it's just been a very, very busy time. <laughs> and I know. hence why when you were busy at field camp <laughs> and we were busy here, we thought, you know, this is a good time to just take a, a short little break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish we had had, you know, that kind of foresight really, but <laughs> it seems like right. it was so busy. It was just like, oh, don't I have something else I'm forgetting to do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes I would check in with you and be like, hey, we should do, not a chance. <laughs> you would check in with me and be like, hey, you know, what? I was like, yeah, not a chance. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm out in, of town. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a different state now. <laughs> uh, or, you know, I, I went, my last install was in New York. And I went commercial air, which is always sketchy for me. <laughs> but I haven't had trouble in a long time. Mm-hmm. But I paid for it this time. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I was coming back, and uh, we got on the plane, and they said, oh, we've got an issue. We need to change a tire. Uh, Be about 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I'm sitting above the landing gear well, (laughs) and about 20 minutes goes by, and then I just feel and hear like, boom, 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 like them beating with a sledgehammer (laughs) on something. And a few minutes later, they come on. They're like, we're taking this plane out of service. <gasps> oh, my 
Uh, but we found another aircraft, so we go over to that aircraft, and they say, actually, turns out this one also needs a tire changed. Oh, my God. And your crew is going to have timed out, so we hope you enjoy your night in Charlotte. And this is at, like, 1 a.m. by this point. <laughs> so Amazing. Uh, the airline, because it was mechanical, you know, they have to put you up in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And give you a meal voucher. Uh, so they did that, and they gave me a cab voucher to get to the hotel. Well, the closest hotel they could get me in was like 15 miles away, because everything else was full. And I couldn't get any cabbies that wanted to take me. Oh, my gosh. That far. They would look at the address and be like, no, and hand me the thing back. <laughs> <laughs> so Awesome. <laughs> so I was wandering around the taxi stand at the Charlotte airport at like 2 a.m., until I finally got a cabbie that would take me to the hotel. Oh my gosh, that's awful. <laughs> and that was one of those weeks where you're like, hey, you know, we could record this weekend. I'm like, we could. <laughs> but I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unbelievably awful. <clears throat> okay, so you're back in action now. <laughs> back in action. <laughs> With uh, your normal... <laughs> traveling woes oh. right um but we do have some exciting projects that we're wrapping up for customers that i think we're going to be able to get them to come on and talk to us about which is going to be very exciting. oh that's nice uh, awesome. and then yeah, as, as i mentioned we've got an idea for a cool it's been a while since we did a series you know like the planetary series oh so good it's hard to follow um, up on that I but we've got like... an idea for another series though Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good one. Oh, I just feel like we peaked already. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever anybody's like, where should I start listening to your podcast? I'm like this planetary series we did, that's where you should start. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are some of my favorite interviews ever. Oh, just the best. The best. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, this week I thought we would just kind of interview each other a yeah, little bit. Yeah, ex exactly. I uh, mean, you know, just so Daryl knows what we've been doing. <laughs> right. Well, you had to catch up uh, just because we haven't talked a lot. And you've got a different field camp experience, not only because of the weather, but just because of your class size. Um, yeah. So in 2019, I had a small class. I had 13 students. Um, and then we had... We went online, but I mean, I had 18 and then I had 20 something. And then last year we had 26, but this year we're down to 10. Well, we're down to 11, um, one online and then 10 in person. And the even weirder part. So we had geophysics field camp too, which we haven't had in quite some time, probably four yeah. years. Um, so including them, that's just five, which is what it normally is. So if you say 16 students in total, all guys. Wow. That is disappointing. <laughs> it's shocking. This never happened. I mean, my field camp was four girls and one guy. So, yeah. Um, all guys. Never happened before. Very interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. So, that's a new one. For me, I just opened up both the bathhouses. I'm like, okay, I guess just use both of these. Like, no reason not yeah. to. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so. But we had a successful geophysics field camp. We have a lot of new faculty, so it is a definitely new um, situation, right? My work landscape is changing quite a bit. So I had new faculty out um, for both geophysics and for field camp um so that's very exciting i mean it's always exciting for the students but it's also very different so that's been... so are you doing as much teaching as you've done in right. past years or are you doing more so, management type stuff so that's exactly it so this year feels like a very transition type year from teaching to much more managerial and our facility we also had um alumni field camp which was a fundraising um, party that we had at the beginning of camp. But it was also because we didn't get to have 2021 would have been our 10-year 
10 years at that facility, at our new facility. I mean, OU Field Camp's been going on since, you know, the 1930s or something. But at that facility. And so we didn't get to have a party because we didn't get the okay to go to field camp until May. So we had a little bit of a party um, this year. And that was really cool. It was it was small. There was only, you know, 15 alumni or something like that that came. But it was really cool because it was a bunch of people that I had never met before. And that was a really fun experience to have them come out. And a bunch of them had given money for field camp. But a bunch of them were just looking for opportunities to connect with students. So we had the students come out a day early and our cook fixed like fancy prime rib dinner. We had like candlelight and all this, which was funny oh. because, yeah, <laughs> because it's field camp. And so it was interesting to have it look so fancy. <laughs> Setting up their expectations high. I know. Diving them into field camp. I know. I was like students this is not this is not how it goes they're like these are velvet napkins i'm like i know don't touch them <laughs> and you're like you'll be issued four paper napkins exactly, for the rest of field camp that's exactly right eat all the prime <laughs> rib you can boys it's not coming back <laughs> oh boy um so that was a trip it was super fun we met some really great alumni there was some there was actually geophysics alumni from back when I graduated and that was really exciting. So my friend Hansel lives in Denver and I hadn't seen him in years. So that was really a cool experience to get to see him and show him around camp. And he was very jealous because he went through geophysics and he's like, we didn't have field camp. Are you kidding me? There's a geophysics field camp. And he is certainly a very geological geophysicist. So he was very excited about that happening and wanted to hear all about it. So it's been yeah, it's been a busy, a busy summer and an interesting one. And so the, as with you, you know, you making your own way and your own business and all that, like transitioning to administrative role and not just the teaching role at field camp is super hard for me because I have crushing control issues, clearly. <laughs> right. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's a lot to manage that facility and the facilities, you know, 10, 12, 12 years old now. And so there's a lot that goes along with that. At one point at 1130, we lost, we lost power to, well, we lost water pressure to the cabins that are highest up on the hill. And so a lot of our water pressure in our system, we have big well, right, is just the hydraulic potential you get from being on the side of a mountain. <laughs> so right. my cabin is the highest cabin. And so I didn't have any water pressure. And I was like, well, this will be trickling downhill before long. Um, and it, we were going around to every cabin, like pulling all these switches. We had to call the neighbor who's, I don't know. He's you as a 70 year old man for sure. <laughs> this guy is amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got his own, he's totally off the grid, and everything he's done is just, he's done himself, he hooks up all these solar panels, all this great stuff, so he agreed to come over and look at it, you know, and we got everything fixed, and then we lost power to part of the cabins, (laughs) yeah, and this was at 11 o'clock at night, you know, he's long gone, we're like, oh my god, (laughs) so it has to be something we've done. Oh, man. And so walking around in this bear-infested, lion-infested place at 11 o'clock at night with our headlamps, testing every circuit breaker, every switch, and it turns out one of the circuit breakers, the actual, like, breaker in it is, like, a different brand, so it doesn't exactly fit real well into the box, and it had come loose. (laughs) Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So, number one, terrifying, right, because you don't want to mess with that. But, yeah, number two, fixable. Most of the time, those stories start with once upon an electrical fire. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. Thank God. Yeah. My other instructor didn't die when he opened up the box and was like, oh, that's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So very exciting, but also very rewarding to know that we fixed this mechanical thing. (laughs) So we had power and water. (laughs) 
And it's been, yeah, it's been rather exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, at our, our new facility, we've been spending a half a day to a day a week just on facilities. Oh, right man. Now. Yeah. It, it, man, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> like, this has been, you know, everything we had was new. Like I said, it's only 12 years old. But also, like, stuff breaks. And out there in the mountains with all that UV, stuff breaks quicker. And it's, whew, yeah. it is nuts. So I can't imagine moving into, you know, an inherited building where you don't know half of what's been done. Well, and things like, you know, with all these windstorms that are coming through, it's like, well, gee, I didn't think I was going to spend $400 this month on a chainsaw. <laughs> But here we are. You've only got like two trees. What are you? <laughs> or, hey, not anymore. <laughs> or, you know, like, oh, well, we need to spend $1,000 on gravel because mm-hmm. water's collecting here. Drainage, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, lots of, I mean, I spent Friday on the tractor spreading 20-odd tons of gravel out. Yeah. And going, I need another 20-something tons. Mm-hmm. Yep, I had to clear, well, I didn't do it, but, you know, oversaw the clearing of a hillside and putting a whole bunch more rock in for erosional purposes, and it's, um, I thought, why didn't I study hydrology? It seems like that'd be useful. Yeah. hmm yeah. Meteorology, before it gets to the ground, God. <laughs> <laughs> hmm Wow, it's weird, we've been doing the same thing, just in different climates. It's true. And, you know, you talking about how old the field camp is doesn't make me feel good because I was the first class to yep. get through it. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> That's right. Oh, boy. <clears throat> we worked out all the initial kinks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then went back the second year it operated as a TA. Yep. That is correct. Oh, man. It's um still looks pretty good, though. I'll, I'll give it that. It looks pretty good. Oh, that was one exciting thing that did happen, too. Um, we did see another mountain lion. And so I now have three mountain lion sightings under my belt, all at camp. <laughs> and wow. this one was, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. This was right outside my cabin. Um, I have a staff member who comes out to do all of our concur, which is, if you work for the government, you know what that is. It's all the oh, yeah. yep, financial <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so she is indispensable. <laughs> And we were on my porch talking, and she said, well, this isn't what she said, but it's what I'll say on this safe for everyone radio show. <laughs> she said, To start oh, with consarnet. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Shannon. There's a mountain lion right behind you. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm dead. <laughs> right. And I jump up and run like, to my porch, but he was not coming towards me he was just on the hillside walking away from us there's a whole bunch of turkey that are in the gulch beside us and I think he was headed that way so we could see him walking over there it was unbelievable but in the jumping up I scared him obviously and it turns out mountain lions are just like kittens (laughs) and he got scared and jumped and then tore off through the forest. Just how if you, like, <laughs> I know you don't have a cat, but you understand cats or anyone that does. How yes. when you scare your cat, they jump straight up in the air and then run crazy. That's what this thing did through the woods. He was, like, hitting trees and running everywhere just because me jumping up scared him so badly. This is, like, between the upper study hall and your cabin? Uh, this is looking towards the, from my cabin's porch, so not towards the study hall, but towards like the wild blue yonder. That's okay, where he yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was walking away. Like I said, no big deal. I wish I would have just, if I'd had more information about there's a mountain line behind you. Right. <laughs> I would have just turned and not freaked him out. But instead I jumped up and freaked him out. But it was crazy. So he ran towards the study hall, like down into that big ravine. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. That's which way he wound up running. Literally, like a cartoon, jumped straight up in the air, took off crazy. Yeah. 
Have you all had any other wildlife encounters? Has the snakes been bad this year or anything um, like that? No, I've only seen one big old gopher snake. We get these gopher snakes, and they look like rattlesnakes. So if people don't know snakes, they always think these are rattlesnakes. And that's just, you know, nature doing her thing. But they're not. Right. But what is really interesting is they're constrictors. And so they will we'll find dead rabbits sometimes. And it's because these gopher snakes have constricted them. Wow. Yeah. So I haven't found any of his victims, but he is a big boy. I mean, he's every bit of six foot long. Around camp? Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's been Ooh. hanging out a little bit. I haven't seen any rattlesnakes this year, though, which is weird because usually when it's really wet, we see a bunch of snakes. But I think it's almost too wet now. I don't know where they go. snakes bad this year here. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Fun. Yeah, we've had a lot of snakes around here. Oh, I know you love snakes, so. They're not my favorite thing, and <laughs> I, I have found, just in closing the gates in front of our property, too, that were oddly both dead in about the same Ooh. spot. Weird. So I'm wondering if they get run over on run the road. Run over? Mm-hmm. And flop their way over there? Yeah, and that's as far as they make it, or, or what. Those people uh, are going pretty fast on that road, so. They are. That. But, yeah, so... We, We've seen those, and uh, we've had a lot of other people in the neighborhood and around the area reporting, you know, copperheads and that sort of thing. So mm. it's been a fun year. Yeah, I'm I'm real glad that we haven't had that to add to our list of, <laughs> of things. I did see a bear, not at camp, um, but on Raton Pass. So oh wow, I don't know if you remember. There's this like road signs that say like bear crossing. And I always thought that was hilarious. Cause no, it's got a picture of a bear and a yeah. turkey. And so, cause I have a picture of both of us in front of that, that sign. That sign is gone. Oh. How travesty. Like, what a travesty. Well, I still have a picture of us in front of that sign. Excellent. We, so we need to put that up. I need that picture because I tell people about it and they look at me like I'm dumb. And I'm like, no, John and I stood here and we took this picture. So. Yep. I need to copy of that. But there's a just a bear one further on down the road. And we were driving home just, you know, a couple days ago. And he was sitting very close to that sign. And he looked, he was the biggest black bear I've ever seen. He was huge. And he just looked like a stuffed bear. So much so that I almost didn't even pay attention to him. Like, look at that bear statue. <laughs> yeah. And he, like rolled over and then like lumbered off into the woods as we ro drove by so that made my day <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's most of the excitement of camp yeah i'm sort of geologied out <laughs> yeah we've been joking about all the wildlife that i see on my drive to our new place now oh that's exciting and all the wildlife that i've almost hit oh mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, it's it's involved one evening helping uh, a neighbor herd cattle back in. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> almost taken out a number of coyotes and armadillos. Oh, I and bet. Deer and every other you know woodland thing that we have around here, which is most of the things mm -hmm. uh, have have run out in front of me and had very close calls. <laughs> gosh, that's well, yeah, especially if you're. Driving anywhere around dusk, I'm sure that's fun. <clears throat> yep, I we put a grill guard on my truck specifically because we knew this was going to be a significant hazard. Mm, mm -hmm. And it has not saved my truck from animals, but it has saved the front of my truck twice already. <gasps> from pulling too close to the coffee shop window? <laughs> no, uh, once from another vehicle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that backed into it. <laughs> And uh, didn't even scratch the grill guard, but saved me, you know, probably a ton of money on replacing the headlights and all that. Oh, heck yeah. And then uh, the second time I was driving and it was kind of windy. It was one of those semi windstorm days mm -hmm. when I was driving in in the morning and this giant branch fell and hit the grill guard <gasps> and shattered into a million pieces while I was driving like 60. Oh. But it definitely saved the radiator of the truck. My gosh. Wow. Well, that's a good 600 bucks well spent. Oh, yeah. No, it's already paid for itself. Super oh, happy. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, 
we've had a busy couple of um, busy couple of weeks. It sounds like we have, but that doesn't mean that uh, our our co-hosts at large, Daryl and others, <laughs> who have been sending in fun papers, have taken a break. Thank goodness, and one of us is working, Daryl. <laughs> Right, and we've got uh, a fun paper that Daryl submitted, actually, for this week's show in everybody's favorite segment, Fun Paper Friday. Yay! I mean, I can't say that we've been dropping the fluid-filled ball lately, but at least Daryl hasn't been. (laughs) Right, so this is Swirling Fluid Reduces the Bounce of Partially Filled Containers by Adrande et al. There's a ridiculous number of authors on this page. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Um, <laughs> and I also, gosh, this is one of those that was such a joy to read. But this is also one of those where I can see people saying, what do we pay academics for? Well, and this is one of those, too, where I, I'm like, you know, I'm sure industrial something, something, manufacturing. I haven't been able to think of it yet. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm sure the application exists, but nothing has come to mind. No, but it did involve high-speed photography and fluid dynamics, so it was a super enjoyable read. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it, it hit several of the buttons. <laughs> it sure did, and it hit the floor, too. Um, <laughs> yes. Number one, the abstract is five lines long. Great. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> True. And number two, this the sentences in this intro are just great because as the title suggests, and this is interesting, this is something like I think every kid knows, right? If you drop a bottle with fluid in it, it bounces differently than a bottle without fluid. And if you're doing something to the bottle, like spinning it, it's even weirder, but in inter- Well, this is something all those people doing like trick shots on TikTok yes. know. Yes, exactly, exactly. So as an introduction to this, you know, they say elastic solids, if you drop them, they get big bounces and almost perfect elastic collisions, okay? Unconstrained liquids <laughs> otherwise undergo large and irreversible deformations during impact. <laughs> right. Like, in other words, they slosh. I thought it was like unconstrained liquids i was like okay great so you guys are just dropping balls and you're dropping water on the floor (laughs) so it's happening (laughs) but it's kind of something in between and they used high-speed photography to study the fluid dynamics of what happens to the liquid inside the bottle as you drop it yeah so you have your partially filled bottle of water um which (laughs) have to say, as we were driving this weekend to an old used bookstore, a uh, fun place to go, and there was a store on the way there, a liquor store, that said, if you're buying smart water for $4 a bottle, it's not working. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so if you've got your $4 bottle of smart water that you've drank a little bit of, and you drop it, it's going to hit the ground, that water's going to basically stay where it is in the bottle and it's going to bounce in a pretty elastic way. The water will make a little jet inside and absorb some of the energy, but it's really going to bounce kind of like a rubber ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're spinning, when you drop that bottle, <laughs> some weird stuff happens and it depends on how much fluid is in the bottle as well. And this took me a couple reads through to get exactly. But so they would slowly start rotating the bottle, and they would get it up to speed, say, 12 revolutions a second, which is pretty fast. And then they would suddenly stop spinning the bottle. Mm -hmm. So the fluid is still rotating, but the bottle itself is not, and then they would drop it. Right. And it turns out, and this was very... I don't know, kind of surprising. I mean, a little bit that that rotating fluid takes up a lot of that energy when it falls. And so, therefore, it's not as bouncy when the bottle is rotating. And when it rotates it, it creates the best thing in the world, right? It creates this little tornado on the inside. 
Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so when you drop it, instead of the fluid just remaining in the bottom of the bottle, it's got the fictional force of centrifugal force. <laughs> And that makes it form a sheet of water on the walls of the bottle. So it's a cylinder mm-hmm. of water. And then when it hits the ground, all of that water suddenly accelerates downward and acts like sort of a hammer to help take that energy out. And it's got a lot greater height to do it than the water that was just sitting in the bottom, non-spinning. Yeah. How... That was really interesting. It seems like something that's like, okay, well, I figured that would happen. But then they mathed it out to figure out the actual predictability of this in terms of how much water do you need and how fast it's spinning and what does that do to the bounce on impact. And I will say, I was disappointed in the number of graphs in this paper. For the amount of data they collected, Yeah, there was very little of it presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... I generally am not disappointed in fewer graphs, but I get where you're coming from in this one for sure. But they did, because a lot of times the graphs are worth a thousand words, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which this paper has. <laughs> but the sentence I knew you would love, <laughs> when they're trying to determine what factors affect this, they've got a bunch of questions uh, the central jet carries momentum away. To what extent? How does the rotation come into play? What about volume fraction? What about container geometry? On and on. A precise answer to these questions requires coupling the Navier-Stokes equation for liquid and the Navier-Cauchy for the elastic container. And I knew Navier-Stokes would get you excited. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean... <laughs> How nerdy does a girl have to be? <laughs> well, I mean, Navier Stokes, you know, it's fundamental meteorological uh, atmospheric flows equation. And then you mm-hmm. get Navier Cauchy, which is, you know, the elastic relation that we use for a lot of elastic processes in the earth. Mm-hmm. Talk about same physics, different scale. This is it. Exactly. That is exactly it. Oh, my gosh. And it's also one of those things that I love to complain about when I probably imbibe too many half drank things myself is about how these partial differential equations that don't have answers, right? <laughs> we can just approximate the answer if we uh, clearly guess at what form the solution might take. Now your Stokes is one of those. <laughs> just a guess. Just a guess. Just liquor and guessing. <laughs> that is geology. <laughs> and fluid dynamics, obviously. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Yep, I did get excited about that. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, so the paper itself was not incredibly complicated. I mean, the, some of the math gets a little advanced if you want to follow it and start talking about, you know, different terms of vorticity in the inertial reference frame in the bottle. Which was super cool for your spinny tornado. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought the rig was cool that they made. They made a custom <laughs> magnetic cap. And use a stepper motor to spin the bottle up. And then when they would stop it, they would turn off an electromagnet to drop the bottle. And it's that weird X-channel stuff or whatever that's called that you love to build stuff out of. Oh, um, yeah. It's made out of 80-20. Yeah, 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 yeah. T-slot rail. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) So I got a kick out of looking at the rig design as well. Yeah. I figured that magnetic bottle spinning, that was, yeah, it's very interesting. So that's cool, like, though. That would be a project that we would have liked to bid on. That seems like a fun one to do. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I would have liked to have built that. Um, and as always, the supplemental videos, you know, I watched them drop that bottle a bunch. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a, I thought it was a, it was a cool little experiment. You know, I don't think they adequately talked about why but this is also one of those you know basic versus applied research you never know when somebody will drag this up and be like ah yeah this is exactly what i needed well i would have liked to see a measurement of the force on the thing they were dropping it on you know on the ground mm-hmm. that would have been easy to do too right you just drop like, it on. what's the time series of that because when you think about 
when we're trying to generate sources for seismic, mm-hmm. like we always have all these things that bounce and take a lot of the energy away with them. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. can we just spin a bunch of fluid in it and get a better coupling for our Ooh. seismic thumper? That's interesting. Or is it draw the pulse out too long? I don't know. Um, but it would be interesting to try. Yeah, that is true. See? You just need to read this to build upon something that's going to be very exciting. <laughs> because I guarantee you the last thing they were thinking about when they did this was maybe we could use this to better look, uh, you know, create seismic waves to look at the subsurface. Yeah, 100%, even though they did involve Navier. <laughs> I can never, relation. Couchy, yeah, I can never, it's not what it looks like. That's one that's hard for me to say. Ouchie. Yeah, I I had to wait until a math teacher said it. Uh huh. Back at yeah, <laughs> and it's still like it's not how I would have said it in my head, and I've read it so much more that yeah, it's one of those words I don't say out loud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <that's> good time. <laughs> but if you've done experiments on dropping fluid-filled bottles of the spinning or non-spinning variety. We would love to hear your results. Or if you just want to drop a line and say hi and uh, that you're glad that we survived the last few weeks because we certainly are. (laughs) Shannon, how can they get a hold of us? Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. I am at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. And also we are on Patreon. If you would like to support us and keep us going, you may do so. Patreon.com slash don't panic geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. <laughs>